Skunk ape, and it completely altered the course of my life. I found a skull. I think you guys are going to want to come film this. Put him out, put him out, put him out, put him out, put him out. I just see it, I just see it, I just see it. Sightings of a UFO hovering over a barn. Millie woke up from a dream, and when I went into the bedroom, she said, There's a monster on the wall. They saw that the creature had run through a barbed wire fence, they were able to obtain hairs. They sent the hairs to their lab and it came back as an unknown creature. What is up, guys, and welcome back to the one, the only, most bizarre show on the internet. I am Saint Squatch. I am Oren. Oh, and I'm just Jenny. Oh, we're keeping it basic today. I see how it is, guys. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, today we have a very long episode with a really, really awesome guest. So we're going to try to keep the talking in the beginning to a minimum so that we can get into this awesome conversation. But we have some some news, some updates, uh, a couple other things we got to throw out first. So I'm going to keep beating this one like a dead... How, what's that term? I'm going to keep uh, horse. beating this one like a dead horse. But uh, we're... At least 33.3% of the team is going to be vending at Squonkapalooza, which will be August 26th in uh, Central Park, Johnstown, downtown uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, the, it's free mission. It's going to be from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., rain or shine. Uh, it's basically a cryptid carnival is probably the best way to describe it, and it is available for all ages. So, you know, bring the family, bring the kids. Uh, there won't be anything too crazy, scary, whatever. They're trying to make it fun in a family event, so keep that in mind, of course. Uh, there's going to be vendors, artists, crafts, games, speakers, movies, activities, live music, food trucks, cosplay. It's going to be a lot of fun. So if anybody's coming out there, let me know what you're coming out there because I'd love to know you by name and be able to point you out. So... Yeah, shoot me a message, let us know. And uh, if anybody wants more information on Squonkapalooza, uh, the website will be posted in the show description. And kind of piggybacking off that, you guys know the drill. Uh, reach out to us with any submissions on your Bizarre Encounter so uh, Shane can add them to the book he's working on. And also reach out to us on social media. We're most active on Instagram. Uh, and also reach out to us through email. Bizarre Encounters at Outlook.com with any suggestions for topics, guests, anybody that wants to contribute to the show in any way, that's the way to do it. And if you guys just want to pop in and have an awesome conversation with us or some more like-minded people, you guys can always pop onto the uh, Telegram or the Discord. Always fun. Always trying to build it up over there. And if anybody has any suggestions on what they want to see over there, feel free to throw them at us because we would love to coordinate that and make it more user-friendly and more fun for everybody. Uh, we are now on YouTube and TikTok. Um, I post short snippets of the show, give people a little sneak peek, a uh, little interesting parts of the conversation. So don't forget to follow us over there if you aren't already. Uh, even if you listen to the show, give us a follow over there just to make it so that uh, we can build up that and uh, hopefully get seen by some more people. And uh, if you guys want to support the show, there's a couple different ways to do so. Uh, number one, of course, is to go and check out the Patreon, which there is the Open Minds Media Patreon. So you get this show and Inquiries of Our Reality. A little bit more bang for your buck. 
Uh, you get early access to episodes. You get uh, live access to episodes. You get live replays, which is the video format of the episodes. Uh, there's exclusive merch store discounts. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of really cool stuff going over there. Uh, a bunch of different tiers. So go and check it out. See which one uh, seems to suit you guys the best. And uh, while we're talking about merch and how you get an exclusive merch store discount, uh, go and check out the merch store. There you're going to find some awesome Bizarre Encounters designs, uh, some Bite Size Bizarties designs. And uh, there will be a new design getting uploaded on there very soon. Uh, I got a print of the t-shirt made for myself just to see how it looks, of course, before I put it up on the store to make sure it looks good for all you guys. But just know that's in the works and you guys will be seeing that very, very soon on the Instagram. So keep tabs if you want to check that out. It's pretty cool uh, 90s style design that uh, Orin and Jenny over here also had some collaboration in. So I think you guys will definitely really like that. And uh, the third way you guys can support the show, quick and easy, if you guys want to donate to the show, because, uh, you know, we do have to pay for some of the programs um, to be able to do all this kind of stuff. So any help is always appreciated. Uh, you guys can always donate on Red Circle, which is our RSS host. And uh, if you guys can't contribute anything, if you guys wouldn't mind throwing us a review, a rating, sharing the show with a friend, uh, just interacting with us on social media, all that stuff goes just as far. We'd love to hear from you guys, love to hear that you guys are enjoying the show. So whether you contribute or not, no matter what, uh, support the show in some way, shape, or form. And uh, speaking of other merch, um, go check out Joe at Crypto Theology. He has lots of cool t-shirts, cryptids, other things. And as always, you can find all this motherfucking shit in the link tree, in the show notes, in the show description. That sounds really, really inspired. <laughs> Thank you. I got it. You're the engineer. Yes, sir. Well, Tommy the train. <laughs> Tonight, we have an amazing guest. Alan H. Greenfield wears many, many hats, and you're probably going to hear about some more hats he wears tonight. <laughs> uh, he is a ufologist and the author of several books, including The Complete Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts, Secret Rituals of the Men in Black, and The Grow Within, as, men as, men, as well as many, many more titles. You may have also seen him on one of our favorite shows ever, Hellier. So with that, welcome, Alan Greenfield. Thank you so much for coming on. Can I can I tell you the secret of my appearance on Hellier? I would love Please to hear do. it. Yeah. All of the fans of Hellier, of whom I am one, it's just you know, the Newkirks are the wave of the future in field research and also in the philosophy of the paranormal. They're way, way, way ahead of people from my generation <laughs> who were endlessly about disclosure, 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 which sounds like a guy taking off his clothes in the park. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just not where we should have been going back then, but uh, I fought that tooth, nail, and uh, AK-47. <laughs> So most of those people are very dead now. <laughs> no. Don Quixote, dead. His sidekick, Richard Hall, dead. He threw me out of the office of NICAP at 1536 Connecticut Avenue, Washington, D.C. And I stormed away, called Ray Palmer, and he said, well, come on up to my house. But that's another story. Was there a question there? <laughs> we were talking about Hellier and the Newkirks a little bit. 
Oh, they're, yeah, they're they're fabulous. But the the secret with me, you know, it's like there was all this debate about the clock that was behind <laughs> me. Excuse me, I didn't even know the clock was there until after the interview. I turned around and I have a clock that is identical to that. Called that a synchronicity or just a very common digital clock that I inherited from one of my wives. What's number four? Yes, uh, which is brings us to a different subject that we won't go into at this moment, but possibly later. Um, no, I'm not going to talk about her. She's a good person, despite, despite what she has to say about me. No, no. I'm sure it's nothing but good good things. But I was no, one like, of those. I was one of those people who counted the threes, the six, the nines, the 93s, the, the 39s. I was one of those people. I was like, there it is again. 93, the people that still salute me as if I were a, a, a Thelmaite. Thel, Thelly, Thella, I don't remember. It's a long time ago. I spent 20 years in that prison. Speaking of Gitmo, oh my God. Uh, they threw me out and I said, you can't throw me out. I quit. I did before they threw me out. But I figured, okay, let's put ourselves through this. But they, they being the anonymous people that I talk to, say, you talk too much about the OT. So I won't. Don't know anything about them. <laughs> well, I don't know if you can see the T-shirt I'm wearing tonight, Mr. Greenfield, but it's a uh, JPL Jet Propulsion Labs. <laughs> uh, we've been really researching about um, like the OTO and Jack Parsons and all that kind of stuff here recently. We're actually planning on doing a series about that in the future. So it's funny you bring that up. Another synchronicity. Synchronicities are <laughs> my deal. You know. <laughs> What I told the new Kirks, oh, I'm out of focus again. I guess that's, I actually am out of focus. It isn't my camera. It's me. I'm out of focus. Maybe if I stopped moving around so much, the camera would get the idea, you know. It's got to focus somewhere. We're in China, and probably we're, we're live in Peking right now. Well, they're getting quite a show. <laughs> Overthrow your government. They're a bunch of bunch of commies. Well, they know that. Was I talking about the uh, the, the Hellier Newkirk uh, Museum people? By the way, they have a wonderful podcast. Everyone should model on that. It's as close. I mean, it, it reminds me of the Tonight Show in its better days. You know, it's just. Very, I'm out of focus again. It's okay. I'm not out of focus. People who are watching on the visual, people who are listening, you don't know shit. So you, you think I look really, really good, young and vibrant, really ready for a sparring match with George Foreman because he's as old as I am. <laughs> Left hook. Yeah. Oh, that's a right Right. I don't know left from right. It's not my business, you know. <laughs> what was I saying? Oh, yes. Uh, so the, the clock, I didn't know it was there. I just knew that those clocks, if you disconnect them and reconnect them, they flash on and off at random. Mm -hmm. And that apparently was what was going on all, the whole time I was doing the interview. The other secret is, and I don't think even the Newkirks knew it, I was sick as a dog that day. 
And, of course, they said, where can we take you to dinner? I said, I really like Indian food. <laughs> I have a lot of really nice Indian. Okay. So they took me to an Indian restaurant. And I figured, well, you know, Indian food has many herbs and Ayurvedic uh, approaches to life. I'll probably feel better. No, I was still <laughs> Food was great. Don't get me wrong. And they kept feeding me. And since they were paying, I, I'll have a, I'll have another gulab jamun, uh, also known as uh, calf balls. Uh, but that's uh, that's less important. However, by the time I was doing the interview, uh, to me, I don't wash my own stuff because. Some people think I act silly, you know? <laughs> and then they think my mind wanders. Which, uh, what did I? What was I saying? I'm sorry. <laughs> Refresh my, uh, Mr. Engineer. What was I saying? Uh, talking about uh, not feeling good, eating some Indian food, and uh, talking about the clock. <laughs> was I really? Oh, when was that? Uh, sometime recently, or uh, okay. So <laughs> anyway. Uh, to me, I looked at that on uh, Prime. I think it was on Prime. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, I no longer can afford Prime because I'm just a poor writer by my books. By my books. <laughs> and I don't really have have very much, and I can't afford to have Prime by my books. The new, the new one is killer. But... Um, uh, to me, I look like I was doing Brando in The Godfather. <laughs> the, the astral plane, let me explain it to you. You see, on the astral plane, the Dark Lodge people make you offers you cannot refuse. So, what do you think of Terry Wrist? Are you him? Oh, God, no. <laughs> He was a Vietnam guy, you know, and I was anti-war back in the day, so that would be... And he also robbed me while I was out of town. That's the part that we don't mention anywhere. <laughs> I just well, did. Breaking news. <laughs> no, legit, he robbed you? What? What? Well, not exactly. I loaned him uh, my friend Richard Shaver of blessed memory. Uh uh, kept sending me these uh, rocks that he said had pictures from the pre-Diluvian civilizations, and uh, he had sliced them so that you could see. The, it, if it were today, I would say they looked like uh, holograms and needed to be in a holographic projector. Anyway, uh, I had occasion. This was during my uh, time in that mystical uh, mystical order that uh, shall remain nameless. Uh, so I had to go down to my hometown actually to write uh, both uh, Secret Cipher, the Euphonauts plug, and Secret Rituals of the Men in Black plug, which is now combined in the complete Secret Cipher, the Euphonauts plug, 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 but which, however, will no longer be complete as soon as the new book plug, 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 plug. How many yes please please tell us tell us the name of your new book please uh, i think it might be he the secret I, I did <laughs> the secret of the real black lodge revealed i think that's correct we went <laughs> back and forth over a variety of names and i you know ultimately once i write 
and put it in the hands of the publisher, I don't get you know, much of a say, but I think that's going to be the name of it. And I think the alleged date of publication is July 31st, 2023. Well, he said July 31st. For all I know, it'll be July 31st, uh, 2046. <laughs> <But> <laughs> well, keep checking with all of your favorite book dealers, you know, Barnes and Noble. What is the other one? Uh, Amazon, right? Your stuff's on Amazon. Uh, well, you know, given my proclivities, Amazon to me are these half-naked women that shoot bows and arrows. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Amazonians. Well, July 31st is my birthday, so that's pretty cool. Oh, well, yeah. Well, it will be your birthday, but whether it'll be the debut day of my new book or not, I, I ain't counting my uh, my. Uh, royalties yeah <laughs> well we will That'd absolutely <laughs> we'll absolutely be buying a copy of it as soon as it comes out <laughs> plug well plug. <laughs> <laughs> well yes you should and so should anybody who happens to be listening to this fabulous podcast that they should never Never miss. <laughs> Amen. Plug. Oh, Thank you. <laughs> I guess this uh, might be a really good opportunity uh, for the listeners that don't know anything about the uh, secret cipher of the euphonauts. Um, it's been kind of side tangenting some of the weird research that I've been doing, and I'd love to some share some of that research with you. But for anybody who isn't familiar, why don't you let them know a little bit about that book and what exactly you cover in that book? Uh, is that for them or for me? Oh, that was for you. That's for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, that's... Uh, a, a lengthy question, but I'll do my best. Uh, there is a whole thing in the uh, Thelemic uh, canon, and that, of course, calls for Thelema is Aleister Crowley's attempt to found a new religion. Everybody has their own. <laughs> Joseph Smith had his, and the Ahaspi guy, whatever, Newberg had his, and Crowley had his. And Krishnamurti said, it's all baloney, don't believe any of it. So he didn't have his. So everybody believed he was a world teacher because that's what a world teacher would do. I'm not a world teacher. Well, I just want to say that I am not a world teacher. <laughs> okay, so there's this thing about the sacred Thelemic text supposedly dictated to Aleister Crowley on three successive days in 1904, uh, following the beginning of what is known in those circles as the, uh, the Cairo working, because, it took, because he wrote it down in Cairo, in Egypt, not Cairo. <laughs> we were talking about that before the program, and it's, it's not Cairo. It's Cairo. So it was in Cairo, Egypt, that he was getting this dictation from the Praetor Human Intelligence. I was. I was. I was. I was. Turn on the reverb. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the beginning. Okay, so some people think I'm not serious. I'm deadly serious, but I hate the fact that in all of the 
paranormal communities, be it ufology and the occult and uh, cryptozoology, you have so many people who have no sense of humor whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And of course, when I have students of my own, I say three hours of cartoons every day. <laughs> go mad. I promise you. Preferably, you know, Warner Brothers, uh, Bugs Bunny, and Marvin the Martian, and other things that uh, were made for adults and as a short feature in theaters all the way through the early 1960s. That's entertainment. Oh, that's MGM. Never mind. Okay, so um, there was said to be a secret code embedded in the volume dictated by the Praetor Human Intelligence I was, who, by the way, the whole story there is very, very similar to the story of almost every trans-channeling experience from uh, the Stone Age to the present. I mean, the, the bare bones of the story is uh, essentially identical. You know, the, the, the setting changes, but, you know, uh, Englishman goes to Cairo and a praetor human intelligence descends upon him and dictates a book. Uh, that's the story of everything from Uga the caveman uh, to... Uh, to the Seth material or the raw material or all of this stuff that is more modern. But in any case, uh, it was prophesied within the book that, that uh, Alistair Crowley himself would never be able to crack this code. And he wasn't. He tried. He tried a lot. It was not. And there was an attempt made by uh, his magical son, later disowned, Frederick Codd, to crack it, and he was able to crack the first three letters. And then, in 1974, uh, Jim Lees and a little group in England, Jim Lees and uh, Jake Strait Kent, who just passed on uh, before his time, and Carol Smith, and perhaps other people in the around the British journalist ceremonial magic cracked the code. Of course, other organizations deny that it is the actual code, but uh, I was presented with it by uh, uh, um, one of the leaders of a group called the QBLH, um, the Kabbalistic Alchemist church, as it was euphemistically known since the head of it in those days was, this is really his name, W.W. Webb. <laughs> I mean, it was founded in 1960, so it wasn't even the ARPANET, that, it was, that was his real name. And uh, when I saw it, I thought, oh no, another occult code. Well, it's, you know, it's computer-generated. Tim Coutte, who uh, had done a now legendary computer program called Lexicon, which basically you could put any document into it by cut and paste. The easy way, you know, <laughs> you don't have to work it out. A equals B equals, it's, uh, and it will work out the numerical value and then yield from the document any words or phrases or sentences or even paragraphs that fit the number 
thus generated. Well, that was of interest to me, but I was sort of mainstream occult at the time. So I thought, well, okay. But I was also a ufologist. And that's an unusual combination, to <laughs> say the least, because ufologists hate occultism. And occultists really, really, really hate ufology. Because, get this, according to the Grand Master of said order, uh, the occult is respectable, but UFOs are not. And that's it. Hello, do you know what they think? What they think in academia about... I have a machine talking to me right now. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't recognize this input. Fuck you, lady. I'm <laughs> Now it's telling me all the commands I can give. Shut off. Is it your Alexa? No, it's, it's some primitive system that was designed for the blind so that it would tell you the time and the day. Oh. <laughs> I'm not, but it's, you know, it, if I hit a certain pitch in my voice, it just starts talking. <laughs> I can kind of hear you talking in the background a little bit. Yeah, turn off the it. alarm. Turn off yourself. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Got to make sure I fit a commercial break right there. The Oh, okay. Oh, you do commercials? No, no, no. I'm no, saying, like, no, when no. we do get to one, we'll put one right there. Wherever you said, cut to commercial. <laughs> well, Friends. Friends, we have endorsements from the president and from Putin and from all sorts of people uh, to buy Alan Greenfield's <laughs> books. It's the patriotic thing to do. Ba -ba 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 glory, glory, hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> now, this will get, if you have a comment section, you will get comments. He doesn't stay on the subject. Which subject is that? That's all that I want to know. Okay, so the subject is, how did I get involved with the cipher and write a book about it? Well, I thought, it's an occult cipher, like four million others. You know, the Masons have a bunch of cipher bubbles. And then, uh, at an idle moment, because I was given by Tim Cote a copy of the Lexicon program, I thought, well, why don't I try some of these really strange words from aliens. The example I give because it's fairly well known, actually courtesy of the New Kirks and company, um, is Indrid Cold, the uh, contact in the Woodrow Derenberger case mm -hmm. and later friends of his uh, late daughter, who also wrote a book about it. And uh, I immediately realized this is applicable to those strange names. And that led me on a whole odyssey of looking at uh, names of planets that don't exist, or at least that we don't know exist, and uh, names of uh, aliens that strike one as either ludicrous or uh, highly peculiar, esoteric. And they decoded in this cipher that uh, Jim Lees and company in England had uh, deciphered uh, in a very coherent manner. So I thought, 
time to go down to my hometown and write a book. Actually, I wrote two at the time, and uh, they're now combined, and I won't mention the name of the Complete Secret Cipher for the Euphonauts again. <laughs> but but the, the, the third volume, it was always intended as a trilogy, the Black Lodge book, the name of which I can never remember, but it's about to come out, I, I hear. Uh, plug, plug, plug. My, my, <laughs> that is not a plug. That is a documentary comment. <laughs> and it's also documentary to say if you, you know, happen to buy it, it would be from, you know, Barnes & Noble or Amazon. The publisher, not the naked women that shoot books now. Um, well, naked from the waist up is the way I understand it. I also had a rather gruesome practice that I, I refuse to go into. It makes me feel bad. <laughs> and they didn't like men, which is, you know, in keeping with the times that we live in. I don't like well, I think um, <laughs> one of my favorite comments in your uh, Grail Within book, it was uh, one of the <laughs> footnotes said something to the effect of this statement's not politically correct, but However, it is correct. It is correct. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's my, my new favorite thing. So. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there's a lot that's like that. I mean, Orwell predicted that there would be words that would be milled out of the language in order to control people. And I always thought, well, some of the things in 1984 and Animal Farm have already happened in 1948. 1984 is a reversal of 1948, the year he wrote it. Also the year he died, interestingly enough, <laughs> uh, I believe, if I recall correctly. But um, now I think all of it is happening. And it isn't a conspiracy. I leave conspiracies to the Black Lodge about which a future book that I have coming out sometime in the 21st century, possibly later this month, on your birthday! Da, 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 da. Happy birthday to you. But I can't send you a free copy because I'll be fortunate if I get a copy. I am so books. happy to buy a copy. <laughs> and I am so happy that my publisher sells a copy because I get royalties and I'm poor. Help me. Help me to buy. Do you know what groceries cost now? You know, this inflation. It doesn't matter. It's getting better. It'll get real better right before the next national election. Editorial comment by Alan Greenfield, not affiliated with any political campaign. <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Greenfield, if you don't mind, could you tell us uh, a little bit about the new book and kind of what you're going to outline in that? Um, I know, like you said, it's the continuation of your previous works. Um, kind of what direction does this one go in, if you don't mind sharing a little bit with us? It doesn't, it doesn't emphasize the uses of the code found in the Book of the Law, Liber al Legis. Um, it's more applying that. I figure most of the people who, who get the new book will have read one or another version of Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts or uh, Complete Secret Cipher, which has you know, both of the existing books. So they'll have a general idea. So it's not, it doesn't rehearse once again, as far as I know, unless the publisher put a 
you know, an intro in to explain, okay, A stands for one, L for two, W for three, they're 11 letters apart. You can do the rest of the alphabet yourself. But, um, which, you know, that's, that was figured out by Frederick Codd in 1948, I think. Um, so it applies the cipher to the negative side of the occult and the reason that is important and I think groundbreaking is because generally speaking the notion of uh, a dark lodge or black lodge uh, was very common understanding in uh, serious occult circles up through about circuit well up through the end of World War one and then it became an untopic and during my 20 years of hard labor at the uh, order of nameless people uh, I was told by the ranking authority that I knew of that time well I'm doing his voice well our ranking initiates don't talk about the Black Lodge, which the Allen brain, do, 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 don't talk about it. He didn't say it doesn't exist. He said, we don't talk about it. <laughs> so what am I to do? I'll talk about it anywhere <laughs> I have a form. I'll probably do a volume on it sooner or later before they get me. And in fact, uh, in all seriousness, my publisher of that time was poisoned. A couple of his authors were killed. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and uh, that will be in the book in some detail, I think. I mean, I haven't seen a, you know, the final product yet, so I really don't know what's in there. For all <laughs> I know, it's, oh, this is all crap. Signed, the publisher. <laughs> don't believe any of this. But uh, they were all all killed and I actually heard from people you need to be very very careful Alan very careful well I've always been pretty careful you know knock on who's there wait somebody at the door no no uh, never broken a bone but you know and I'm a bit of a survivalist so you know the book will focus on the forbidden topic in modern occultism, the Black Lodge, and uh, more broadly on something that really, really, really doesn't much get discussed, which is fascism in paranormal circles. There's a lot of it, some of it overt, mm -hmm. uh, some of it... Uh, lost in the midst of history, but people who are not themselves fascistic at all are basically following doctrines that uh, originate with uh, uh, the Nazis and uh, the, the uh, czarist anti-Semites in the 19th century and, the, you know, bad stuff by my account. and. Uh, uh, I, one of the things that I encouraged my publisher not to do was to name anybody that is 
currently living in the book as, you know, people like David Icke. Oof, I just, <laughs> I'm mea culpa, mea culpa. Oh, I'm not Catholic. It doesn't matter. So, <laughs> but I, I love the Pope, and the Pope loves me. I had lunch at the Vatican once. Seriously, I really did. But that's a long time ago. Did I answer the question, or did I <laughs> No, no, I think that was awesome. Um, you know, we're really excited to read the new book and kind of uh, piece it together with some of your other writings. Um, I've read your Saucers and Saucerers uh, book when it came back out a year or so ago. Uh, so, you know, after we watched Hellier, like most people, we just became fascinated by you and uh, can't wait to really dig more into your work. So, no, we're just, we're very tickled to have you on and to see what you've got to say about the Black Lodge. So. <laughs> I didn't even mention Saucers and Saucers plug. You plugged it. <laughs> I did. Plug. We've got it right here for everyone who's watching. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, it is different. You know, it, that's the only book that in its original edition I self-published. Well, my current publisher thinks I am the cat's meow. He's deluded in some <laughs> way, uh, but I, you know, I go for it because uh, you know it pays royalties on time. It hasn't been killed like Ron Mons so, so far. <laughs> so um, it it is updated a bunch of pictures from the first generation ufologists. First gen ufology, as far as I can remember, are all they've all passed from the scene. Uh, long since. I'm second gen, and second gen mm -hmm. ufologists started out as part of the teen ufology movement. So most of us are still around, sitting here in the home, just rocking and remembering. And I got a letter from a guy just yesterday, and it got off on the wrong note. You're one of the last people I can ask this to. <laughs> and I want to write him back. Well, yeah. You just won me over. Signs, the not late Alan Greenfield yet. I'm young, you hear. I'm very young. You're only as young as you want to be. One who drinks your blood. Well, Saucers and Saucers is about the great days when the first and second gen ufologists. The kids, like me, gosh, you're Jim Mosley. Gosh, you're a great marker. Hey, you're the amazing Randy. Stay away from me. Stay. Stay back. Oh, come and see my kinkajou. No kidding. It's really a, a genuine story. Back at Randy's house in New Jersey. <laughs> Want to hear about the amazing Randy? No, you probably, even though he's gone on to his reward. Um, that's a different type of story altogether, and I'm not going to go there. I think it's pretty close to stuff I don't mention very much in The Grail Within. But <laughs> I, Saucers and Saucers is supplemented by an introduction. Of course, I don't own a copy of it. Nobody bothered to send it to me. So I don't know, but I do know there were there was an additional introduction. Now, I know what the cover looks like. It's not the original cover. The original cover, since it's the only self-published book I've ever done, and I was like a kid when I wrote it, it's been 
updated, and there are a bunch of photos by uh, uh, my friend Rick Hilberg, who was in the teen ufology movement going back to the year two or three, possibly. And um, so there's a lot of newer stuff. But the text about what ufology was like back in the day is kept pretty much intact. Maybe some of the spelling errors and other things, because I were just a kid and hadn't even lost my accent back then. Coming, coming from Augusta, Georgia, that is quite an accomplishment. I discovered it when I tried to pronounce the word rural and discovered I couldn't because rural. We, we can't. It's rural. So rural. When I moved up to Atlanta, I looked in the mirror repeatedly and said, it's not rural, it's rural. Rural, you know, like oil, not y'all. Y'all is y'all and oil is oil. Well, how and ironic is that, that uh, people who are rural, like <laughs> ourselves, can't pronounce rural? Rural. <laughs> rural. Well, I had to work on it as the point. In order to integrate myself into the uh, society of the big city, and also so that I'm uh, uh, thought to be an intellectual. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you are an intellectual, but we have that discussion just off topic a little bit, how people just perceive that people with a southern accent are stupid. <laughs> like, I'm not yeah, stupid, that, but I sound that, like this. <laughs> yeah, and that is a prejudice left over from the Civil War. Plain, I mean, that's a whole different subject. And if you ever want to do a program on uh, the great errors of the American left, that's one of them. The things left over from the Civil War that continue to this day. It's okay to say them. It's okay. Ah, oh, hi, baby. Hey, neighbor, you want a hee-haw? Oh, sure, hee-haw, right. It's wrong, and it's bigotry, the same as any other kind of bigotry. It's just wrong. Uh, notwithstanding the people out in uh, Ackworth, Georgia, where I lived for a while, who are running around waving Confederate battle flags and uh, also Nazi insignias and other things that sort of disturb my family since we're <laughs> Jewish as well as Southern. But I, it's funny, in Ackworth, I remembered how to say rural. <laughs> it was a survival trait. <laughs> it's like riding a bike just came right back to you. <laughs> came right. Well, it's, you don't ever lose it. You just... You don't. Uh, and, <laughs> it's here. and why should you? The notion that Southern accents are ignorant is absurd. It's simply a slower speech pattern than New York or Chicago or whatever they say in Alabama. Or Michigan, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> I got yeah, the Michigan. sniffly accent. We don't talk with our uh, nose at all. <laughs> Michigan, isn't that a state also, or is that a Canadian <laughs> province? It's a little bit of both. It's a giant mitten up say, there. Say A-B-O-U-T, I can tell. About. 
Ah, it's in America. Otherwise, it's a boot. A boot. <laughs> I was just hiding it. <laughs> He's practicing well, it in the mirror, just like rural. <laughs> and that doesn't make people in Canada stupid either. You know, it's just uh, regional accents that are actually preserved from the way English was spoken by ordinary people in the 18th century which is when initial immigration to the Deep South, a lot of it forced indentured servants. Uh, uh, well, that's a whole different story. And it, it's, uh, it's a story that needs to be told and is rarely told these days. Uh, and it causes a lot of people to feel alienated. Not me. I have no illusions about those who would take care of it by, you know, working to preserve the established order. The established order is that idiot in Florida. <laughs> you can have it. <laughs> So, uh, Mr. Greenfield, if uh, you don't mind me asking, we've been uh, doing some research um, after Shane watched Hellier. He kind of became interested in this whole idea of like the occult side of um, I would say the dark side of the occult that's going on supposedly in the Somerset area like they talked about in Hellier. Um, do you have any thoughts on that that you'd be willing to share? And if not, we totally understand. But uh, just kind of something that's come up in our research here recently kind of a weird thing too yeah. that i hadn't even watched hellier yet and i started doing all this weird research trying to correlate like a certain location because i have a belief that there's portal locations in a specific spot and before i even watched hellier they told me to watch it i was already on somerset so then i saw that they popped onto somerset so i know there's a lot of people that are onto this and that there's something weird going on in somerset kentucky well it's not just in somerset that's a locus but the common denominator in both, uh, actually this is not unrelated to the editorializing on the South that I was doing a minute ago. Um, in Kentucky and West Virginia, the entire area is riddled with the largest cave system in North America. And that cave system is right out of Richard Shaver's mm -hmm. uh, underground. At Adorpa? Is that it? Well, yes and no. I mean, uh, you know, that's Aphrodite spelled backwards, which, uh, uh, but yeah, all of these stories going back to, uh, going back to the Oracle at Delphi, you know, it, are that there are uh, hidden worlds, to use Ray Palmer's term, beneath the surface of the earth. That is totally distinct from the notion of a hollow earth, which is something mm -hmm. that just is impossible. What I think is that there are portals to Magonia, otherwhere, fairy, whatever you want to call it. Uh, there are different terms in different cultures that are uh, located in obscure places and caves, caverns, and even mine shafts often are those uh, those obscure places that uh, if people wander into them, if they're ever come out, because they may go to otherwhere and sometimes it's a one-way trip. They may also get eaten or cannibalized or used by the Duro and the Tiro, which were 
the terms uh, my friend uh, Richard Shaver used. Um, I think that's a much more likely thing. But the point is that West Virginia and Kentucky are saturated with stories ranging from goblins to UFOs to cryptids to all kinds of really, really weird stuff. And while it is true that those stories exist everywhere, which is a good argument for their being real. You know, they exist in China, they exist in South America, they exist in Ireland, especially in Ireland. But Kentucky is a, a focal point. And Hellyer, the town, was briefly, I think that may even be a, the name of the town is probably from a guy whose name was Hellyer, but it isn't lost on anyone who uh, uh, thinks synchronicities matter, that it is Hellyer, or mm -hmm. your hell. And uh, I think that's uh, fairly important. But... Um, uh, one of the low, low is it locuses or loci? Now that sounds like a town in Texas, Lodi. <laughs> I'm the man from Lodi, and I've been sent here to kill the sheriff. I shot the, no, I didn't. <laughs> Not I the deputy. Out of the country of the time. I have witnesses. <laughs> it was Carrie Thornley. I, but, um, yeah, I, I think that you're you're right on the money there. We are fortunate to have a uh, a group of people who live right on top of the hot zone in Kentucky, the the people that uh, sort of record it, and uh, that's the Penny Royal group who have their own podcast. And uh, uh, you want to know what's going on there? They sort of keep track of it live, unless of course they go down and get eaten, which I, I discourage people from. I always tell people, well, if you're interested and fascinated by what you might find in caves, for God's sake, take it from me because uh, oh, I'm going out of focus for saying that. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean, people? What does it mean that I go out of focus when I say something really important? <laughs> Must trying to build really up the dramatic out. effect. In my new book, which is called <laughs> called the Black Secret Lo of the Real Black Lodge Revealed. 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 <laughs> I remember the revealed part. Uh, you want it revealed? Okay, no. I'm do that. They've got to pay for that, Mr. Greenfield. I mean, <laughs> uh, you can't be giving that away for free. Well, I'll just put a dollar in my garter and you'll whatever you want. So, uh, uh, no, it's, it's plain tea. <laughs> Irish breakfast tea. Okay? No psilocybin. <laughs> what? <laughs> they're, they're right here. I see them. Silly Sibens. <laughs> Silly Sibin. Well, the funny thing is that um, one of the first things I noticed that was outside of the extraterrestrial hypothesis, so-called, it's not really a hypothesis, that would be something that has evidence for it. Uh, it's a, an idea, a concept, and I think after a few years, not a very good one. But... Um, one of the first things that made me think that something else was going on 
and start to look for the alternate reality notion of the origin of UFOs was that when flying saucers, as they were first known in modern parlance, were first seen, that that was immediately, they came from other planets in our galaxy, as the Roger Corman science fiction movies of the 1950s put it. Other galaxies? Does, do, do, do these people have any idea of what kind of logistical problem it would be to travel from other galaxies? From uh, other star systems? Well, they must be from Mars. Uh, well, that was, that was a current theory until 1970, whatever, when the first successful probe was landed on Mars. And it seems to be a somewhat inhospitable uh, climate for any advanced civilization. If there was one, it was a long time ago and it has long since blown away. So it went out to Betelgeuse, which is about to go supernova. So, you know, don't say it three times because <laughs> our sun is acting kind of funny right now, too. But let's not worry about it. You know, we won't know. It'll, we'll have how many minutes warning? Zero. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are we still here? For now. Yeah. <laughs> well, being a psychic friend, I can tell you that it probably won't happen anytime soon. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it is being a temperamental star, and that's something that, interestingly enough, to come full circle, the Black Lodge seems to be fixated on the notion of uh, solar destruction, the black sun, and I wouldn't want to plug the book, but that is discussed in some detail. <laughs> well, I mean, what, what do you want? How much are you paying me? It's what I get paid for all of these programs that I do, and I need groceries, you know, that'll last me the whole month. So, You plug away. We are here for it. <laughs> yeah, but people are switching off because... Uh, no, they're not. <laughs> and if they are, they can leave. <laughs> All I can say is, at the end of this program, if you stay to the end, I will teach you the secret of personal immortality. Ooh. <laughs> so, it's a teaser, listen, everyone. <laughs> listen until the end. You need to go through all of these plugs for various books in order to hear that. Unless I forget. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, and if you forget, we'll have to have you come back on to tell the secret then. Dun, That's dun, true. Dun. <laughs> and I, I'm always available, as the hooker on the street corner says. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess kind of sidestepping it back into a little bit more of the Kentucky stuff, because I had another sidebar question to kind of get into. Um, so how involved do you kind of feel that the Black Lodge is as far as these weird anomalies and tunnels in Kentucky? And how close do you think that they watch this stuff? Well, I don't think that's the Black Lodge. I think that is their their opponents in uh, the discarnate state. Uh, maybe I should back up and just say what I think the Black Lodge is. 
First of all, I, I do want to distinguish the actual Black Lodge from their hired hands, so to speak. Their hired hands, of which I've had one encounter with, are, are people, often people who are associated with the um, criminal underworld, but sometimes they're associated with governments and, you know, whoever they can uh, seduce to the dark side of the force. But the other reflex, which has never stopped being talked about in occult circles, are the secret chiefs of the Third Order. Both of these groups are discarnate. That is to say, they're not aliens. They are former human beings who have gone on to a higher state of being. The difference between them is that very much like the, uh, well, I was going to use the word mythos, but that's often misunderstood. I mean it in the Joseph Campbell sense. It doesn't mean uh, not real. It means it's legendary, like the legendary Muhammad Ali. You know, it's it's something that, or passed away on the day we recorded this, Tony Bennett, the legendary Tony Bennett, a, a favorite of mine, um, and the last of a kind. Um, the secret chiefs, also known as the ascended masters in theosophical circles, also known by many other names, and probably none of them are their own names for themselves are those who have chosen to be uh, what are called in the East bodhisattvas, which is at least in Buddhism they're called that, which is those who have attained to Buddhahood but who choose not to enter nirvana, something probably beyond our ability to define or understand, but who instead have vowed to help all sentient beings to attain just as they have. The Black Lodge are the very considerably advanced beings who have also become discarnate but who originated as human beings, as black magicians, uh, black brethren or, or dark lodge or 50 other terms, none of which, again, they use of themselves, but who have chosen not to, not only not to ascend, but to make sure nobody reaches their level who is still in an incarnate state. So they will do whatever they need to do, deceive, uh, lie, uh, kill, uh, disorient, spin uh, false tales that are guaranteed to go nowhere, like the disclosure notion, uh, to people who either are in their pay or who are gullible. And those who resist that sometimes just disappear without a trace. The number of people who disappear forever without a trace every year worldwide is breathtaking. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's in the... Uh, in the hundreds of thousands. And some of those, of course, are people who wanted to disappear. Some of those are people whose, you know, corpses are found out in the forest 20 years later. Uh, 
but there is a residual number who I think are taken for a variety of purposes. Uh, some are uh, taken by something the equivalent of the Duro and are uh, sexually misused or who are cannibalized and some are taken as slaves and some are I don't know uh, brainwashed into serving the Black Lodge and sent back to our plane of reality or out of the caverns I don't know but the, the, the fact is to get to, to the uh, to the question I think that some of the phenomena that you see are direct manifestations of the Black Lodge. Some of them are projections using uh, augmented uh, paranormal techniques, and some of them are manifestations of the, the, um, the secret chiefs because they have agents too. I must say those agents are not the people who claim to be agents. If they claim it, you can, you know, uh, discount it, especially if they charge for their services. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, my books are my, my labor, so they are, you know, the price is set by the publisher and I get a stipend from sales. But, um, Everything else that I do, empowerments, uh, uh, teachings, uh, broadcasts, paracasts, castercasts, plastercasts, whatever, uh, I do free for nothing because that's what I do. That's my calling. And anybody who charges for any of that is immediately suspect, in, in my opinion. Um, so... Uh, one needs to be careful about the organizations one affiliates with. And if you're investigating, say, a Bigfoot case in the wilds of Pennsylvania, and I know some people that do this, be very careful. And for God's sake, go armed. You know, if it's hunting season, get your hunting license. <laughs> and you might want to be armed in several different ways. Have a firearm, but for the really, really advanced beings, that's not going to do you any good. But carry an Orgon gun, and that tends to work on all of these things. If you go in a cave, for God's sake, go with a spelunker and have the right equipment. And have somebody outside who knows if you've been missing for more than, you know, three days that goes to the uh, park rangers and say, my buddy's down in the cave and I can't find him. Because you have a limited amount of time to find somebody, whether they're lost to the, um, <clears throat> to the Black Lodge or whether they have fallen down a, you know, or a cave in. I mean, I, I speak from personal experience. A couple of years ago, I'm way too old to be doing caving, but I was doing some caving with a couple of, experienced spelunkers and I've been in a number of caves uh, exploring but uh, uh, I wouldn't consider myself an experienced spelunker just you know a person who wishes to be able to exit the cave pretty much in the <laughs> same way that I entered it and uh, it was like the 50th cave I had been in I guess and I was crawling through a shelf and it 
turned out to be a brittle shelf and that fell about five feet and I did what I do in situations like that I would say right hand left hand right foot left foot head they all work <laughs> I must be okay and the two spelunkers pulled me up and I thought there was no way to know this was going to happen but it does happen mm -hmm. and I hadn't broken any bones and I hadn't been injured I thought got home and for the next two months, you may notice in the summer of 2022, was it? Though the time goes by when you're having fun, <laughs> I had a, a back injury that uh, kept me out of circulation uh, altogether. Lesson learned, I will encourage other people to do this belunk on behalf of <laughs> searching for Agarda and Shambhala. So... It's, it's a worthy thing, but you'd best know what you're doing. And for God's sake, wear a helmet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Carry some water, you know, and, and go with somebody who's expert enough to know how to get out of a sticky wicket. What? <laughs> so uh, kind of connecting back uh, into the first part, just one, one quick part, and then I have another question kind of asking about some of your cave experiences. Um, is there any type of significance to a smiley face balloon for any of these organizations? Um, I think that those are messages. It depends on the circumstance. I mean, there are a lot of helium-filled mylar, mylar balloons out there. So statistically, there ought to be some that given to a kid on his birthday and he goes ha and lets it go and it floats away and then comes down somewhere else the key is the thing that i told um, the new kirks and company is follow the synchronicities mm -hmm. the ones that i'm interested in are the ones that show up in really really obscure places which is an unlikely place for a kid to have a birthday party, or even those balloons have a very limited lifespan. They are not skyhook balloons like what I think happened in Roswell. They are, you know, they, they uh, well, if you keep one around the house, which I have done, in about three days, it's, you know, down on the floor. It, the the uh, helium has dissipated uh, to the extent that it no longer is airborne. But when you find it, at a set of coordinates that you take as to be a key place, as was done in Hellier by uh, Kyler, the most gung-ho enthusiast I, I know from that group and who I, I like, but every time I hear he's going caving, I go, <laughs> oh God, please protect him because he's not going to protect himself, clearly. <laughs> But uh, so he's out in the middle of nowhere, and I mean nowhere, and at the exact coordinates, which turn out not to be coordinates. Mm -hmm. you know, they say they are, but I ran it on the authority of the internet, and it was a, a uh, tracking number for a Canadian UPS type company, you know, Fed, equivalent of FedEx. Uh, but they took it to be coordinates, and there are no wrong answers in, in this sort of thing. And he goes to those coordinates, and there's a happy birthday balloon, followed mm -hmm. shortly by a black helicopter freaking him out, flying overhead, which I've, 
I've had before, and which was exposed by the late Jim Keith, who was a victim of the Black Lodge. He, he made the mistake of going to Burning Man, and he had a sprained ankle, and of course, we all know sprained ankles are fatal. In the wrong uh, circles. Nice, nice guy, <laughs> but he was, he was, he was really uh, playing loose ends with militia groups, which sometimes are controlled by the Black Lodge, although they, the members probably don't know it, uh, and ufology and other things. And part of the, the great extermination, it was Ron Bonds, the editor of Illuminate, my first publisher, which was the end of Illuminate because he was basically the mover and shaker there. He was poisoned. And Carrie Thornley, a friend of mine, an Atlanta street person, who wrote the Principia Discordia, a seminal book for Discordians, the seminal book for the Discordians. That's their liberal legis. And it's a very Discordian book. Um, am, I, am I hitting on the... Yeah, I mean, okay, so I got to kind of explain this scenario to you a little bit. So, um, like I said, I've been doing some deep research into some weird stuff. I've been marking some weird locations. And there was one particular day about two weeks ago that I had a bunch of locations disappear off my map. And then underneath my trampoline, and I have a very secluded yard that's completely surrounded by trees. There was a full helium smiley face balloon with a clip that was clipped underneath my trampoline to the point where like I ended up cutting it and just letting it fly off. And uh, I didn't think anything about it. So then I'm going around back watching Hellier and they start talking about the thing with the birthday balloons. And I was like, huh, just still kind of weird, maybe a coincidence. So then today, I had a random listener on Instagram message me talking about how about 20 years ago, uh, he was talking about how he stumbled upon this cave and they ended up going into it and it had cathedral ceilings. And this is also near Somerset, Kentucky. Um, they had a bunch of candles lined around the outside and then they went farther into the cave because they were hearing talking. And then they said that they heard a bunch of people or they saw a bunch of people with black robes doing chants farther on in the cave. So they left. But then at the very end of the story, he was telling me, he said right outside of the cave, he saw two birthday balloons and a smiley face balloon. So just kind of a weird coincidence, weird scenario. I don't know if it's, again, one of those things you were saying where it's like trying to deter you into a weird direction, but it was just really weird coincidence. And I didn't even think about the smiley face balloon or how weird it was that it was full helium up underneath my trampoline clipped until I ended up listening to the seeing that that episode of Hellier with the birthday balloons and then having this listener tell me today without knowing any of this or any of my research other than the fact that I put out that I was looking into weird stories from Kentucky he drops the birthday balloons and a smiley face balloon like how how would you take that <laughs> I would take that to be messages from the secret chiefs not from the black lodge the balloons at the mouth of the cave, and that's part of that cave system that I mentioned. I think it's called Mammoth Cave. Yep. All, I would take. I don't believe there are any such thing as coincidences. There are synchronicities that are significant and synchronicities that are less so. But something at a uh, dramatic point, they see the balloons several of them, an unlikely thing to see at the mouth of a cave. They go in and they see some people who were probably amateurs doing, I don't know what to call it, doing satanic ritual or whatever. Uh, there's more than a share of that uh, out there. And I, uh, I call them barnyard Satanists, you know. <laughs> I, they know less 
of what they're dealing with than most people who dabble in the occult, and they are dabblers. But you don't want to get caught in a, in a cave with them and expose their ritual because one chance in a thousand, they might be some psycho death cult. They do exist, they do happen, and they are Black Lodge affiliated. But I think it was a warning from the secret chiefs, don't go here. Your balloon, ask yourself, why under a trampoline? What does a trampoline do? <laughs> you bounce up and down, and if you do it right, it's safe. If you don't do it right, your head gets cracked on the ground and you're a quadriplegic for the rest of your existence. It's a warning from the secret chiefs to tread lightly. And I think it's always like that <clears throat> unless it's in a totally mundane setting. You're outside of a building where they hold birthday parties and a balloon comes floating by. Well, that's some kid who's going, <laughs> and lets it go, you know, and there goes $10 <laughs> flying away. That's, it, it's fairly easy to distinguish those things that are significant in those that aren't. And of course, the weird ones are usually, they say something the equivalent of happy birthday. That is, this is a gift. And you have to judge it by the environmental circumstance as to whether this is something of particular significance to you and ask yourself, why here? Why now? Or whether it's something that uh, has a, quote, logical, unquote, explanation, given that I don't think any of these things are coincidences. As you go through Hellier, uh, I don't know which episode you're... I got uh, one left. <laughs> and I keep oh, having okay, more so stuff that connects into the research I've been doing, but I'm like on a different side tangent, but a lot of the stuff is connecting as I'm going along. Season one or season two? Season two. Okay. So you, you're just past the episode where I'm doing Brando. <laughs> Our favorite episode, by the way. <laughs> the, the secret chiefs. Uh, they're people that aren't people anymore. Next question. That's, that's why I don't watch myself. I won't watch this because I'm out of focus, but not because you're, you're in focus. I'm out of focus, so that's clearly... Not clearly me. <laughs> <laughs> also, I have a a very inexpensive uh, camera here. It's working. But if everyone buys your books on Amazon <laughs> or through Barnes and Noble, or any of the you know the usual, uh, even brick and mortar stores occasionally carry my books, you know, and don't check the New York Times bestseller list. I psychically know that although my book will be a bestseller, they will not carry it mm -hmm. in the Times. <laughs> or if they do, they'll carry it as fiction, which it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Alan doesn't know it, but Rod Serling is about to appear over his shoulder. <laughs> Enough of that reverie. Okay, so in that episode, I believe that that's the correct episode. Uh, and what I like about Hellier is it's exceedingly honest. In other words, 
the biggest criticism of it has been, well, nothing specific happens. They don't meet a goblin. Well, excuse me, I've done field investigations, and I have never met a goblin. <laughs> and if I had, I wouldn't tell you. And I, <laughs> because that would, you know, from then on, I'm a contactee and not an investigator. But uh, that's an honest look at the way field investigations go, including the advice that I, that I gave and that they had, you know, out of their own uh, uh, right ingenium. Uh, follow the synchronicities wherever they lead. You have a goal initially, but that isn't necessarily where you wind up. You follow the hero's path and the hero's mm -hmm. return in Campbell's terms. And uh, that's, that's what they did. So where the synchronicities led, they followed until we got to my saying, I think the happy birthday balloons are very significant. And after we did the episode, um, still sick as a dog, I was, but keeping my upper lip stiff or something stiff, whatever. <laughs> I'd say, That's wow, what she said. You, you people have dirty minds. I, I wasn't implying anything there. Uh, plug uh, the grail within. Plug, plug. <laughs> well, that would be the grail without, strictly speaking. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> The train goes into a tunnel. <laughs> you don't have to be Freud to figure that one out. <laughs> I stole that, that line from, uh, from a uh, comedian who is no longer with us. He's in a garage in New Jersey. <laughs> Tied up. <laughs> <laughs> well, possibly. I don't get that clear. Anyway, so they're... They're riding to their next destination in Kentucky. I think they were going to Ashland. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And uh, like I say, I don't watch myself. So that episode, I saw it when it was new, and that's it. I haven't seen it since, and that's mm -hmm. several years ago. They're basically laughing at me, saying, well, Greenfield was really hyped on that balloon thing. <laughs> yeah, he said something like, I'm paraphrasing here. I don't want to. They're my friends, and I don't want to get in trouble, but uh, they became my friends after that. You know, Before that, uh, Greg Newkirk said he was afraid of me, and then he <laughs> saw me walking to the car with my Hawaiian shirt, <laughs> and he said, I knew he was okay. Clearly, <laughs> the sinister forces rarely wear Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> you know, I, I wear Hawaiian shirts all the time, but they're... Most of them, even if you order them from Honolulu, they still have that little thing saying made in China. <laughs> I think that's the story of our time. All that matters but, is where it's um, shipped to and sold from. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and price jacked way up because it comes from Honolulu and gets sent on a boat. Anyway, so they're, they're driving through rural Kentucky on their way to their destination and uh, I had told them well uh, you should take the balloons as a uh, signal from the from the secret chiefs of the third order which I had to explain because before that they had uh, they had been ghost hunters and cryptid hunters not so much occultists I I think my book and uh, uh, several others had become 
Jeepers, they're recording this. I just noticed that. <laughs> Buy my books. <laughs> if you're seeing this in the 23rd century on these little things that they use for books, post-millennial books, by my a holographic shaver rod. <laughs> <laughs> my descendants will thank you. <laughs> so, so I had said something just in passing, like, you know, if you if you don't buy into this, you, you will have a barrier in your path. And they were, you know, sort of joking about it. And they are on this narrow road. And there's a tree fallen across the road in their path. And when I was seeing the episode, I thought, they're going to think I have a Learjet. <laughs> and when they left Atlanta, I flew ahead, chopped down a tree and stuck it in the road which I don't have a Learjet, don't know how to you know, pilot a plane. I don't even know how to drive a car. That's a long story in and of itself. But um, so they have to stop because there's a barrier in their path. And if you recall, they get out and Greg goes up to the roots of the tree and there is a Mylar balloon. It doesn't say happy birthday but it's a blue star, and we had been talking about the star Sirius, the mm -hmm. brightest, bluest star in the sky. And also, uh, perhaps unknown to them, I don't know, my publisher at that time no longer was Blue Star Press. So it was one on top of another on top of another, and they went back to the car, and suddenly they were taking what I said about that. I mean, they took me seriously, but that was like, uh, that's really reaching. Well, I don't think that was true. And since Hellier appeared, I get letters from all kinds of people who have obscure location Mylar balloons that carry specific messages for them. And they want to know how to interpret this. And they ask the same question you did. Are these, you know, from the sinister Black Lodge? And I say, if they were, it would be step over here would be written on the balloon right next to the Grand Canyon cliff. <laughs> and you would have to have something that they wanted. So um, the, the key is if it's in an obscure location and it carries a message that is useful for you, it's probably the secret chiefs, not the Black Lodge. See, because what I was wondering is if somehow... Just there's there's just that weird link with that person messaging me because I didn't even think about the smiley face part of it until another person messaged me talking about a smiley face balloon and then it was like I feel like I need to talk to this guy. <laughs> That's what I mean by follow the synchronicities. You say, oh, what does this mean? Uh, well, a technique that I use is, and it depends on whether you have any uh, sense of dream analysis, but. Pretend that this didn't happen in day-to-day -day reality. Pretend it was a dream and you're looking at the dream symbolism. What would this chain of events mean in a dream? How would it be interpreted in a uh, Jungian psycho, uh, psychotherapeutic context? And it usually will yield something for you to follow up on. Maybe you should talk to this guy and that's what it's saying to you. You have to be uh, alert to it and think 
laterally rather than our generally uh, uh, automatic sense of going from past to present to future because it's usually something that is on the side but accurate and that makes sense. And usually you'll have a eureka moment, a come to Jesus moment, so to speak, and realize, ah, this is what this is talking about. I really do need to talk to this guy. That's my take on it, third, fourth, fifth hand, whatever it is, but uh, that's the type of thing you should do. And also, I just got an impression you're going to see an additional happy birthday balloon. I had a really weird feeling about it, <laughs> especially after all of this. And I purposely started bringing up some more pages to see if more of my maps disappear because it was just also super weird timing the fact that this guy messaged me today and we just happened to be having an interview with you today. And I, again, I, it, the more I talk to this guy, I'll keep all of you guys posted on it, even if you want to be included on that, Alan. And, yes, uh, please do. Yeah, I'll let you know if anything else weird pops up. But yeah, it's just weird timing the fact that I like did all this research and I was on to the Somerset location and I started asking people for their weird experiences from this location without even watching Hellier. And then everybody kind of comes to that same kind of place. I'm just coming at it from like a different viewpoint because I came in connecting it with uh, Native American lore and uh, the Moon-Eyed people, if you're familiar, even to the point where uh, there was legends about them use having like weird devices that the natives didn't understand how they worked. And I started connecting that in with the weird staffs that people with the black uh, robes are being seen with, with like the, the stones on the top. And I don't know, it's just the farther I go down it, the weirder it gets and the more like weird things seem to be popping up and they start, they seem to be getting closer together that the weird stuff pops up. That is not unusual. And I get hear from a lot of people who, who put it this way. They said, uh, once you start down that rabbit hole, it's a long, long trip down. <laughs> and... I assume that must have something to do with Alice through the looking glass, which uh, I do have a copy of that within large. five feet of me right now. Also, <laughs> okay, I, Your Honor, I rest my case. <laughs> like I, I can reach it; it's down right here on the shelf. Like as weird as that is. <laughs> well, what a coincidence! Because I no, I don't. <laughs> But that was kind of the impression I even got with the whole trampoline thing is I was kind of getting that so above, so below kind of impression and especially digging in with the caverns and connecting them with uh, stargates. And I have my theory I was sharing with them and how I think that you actually activate these stargates. Uh, it was just weird that, again, it was underneath the trampoline, which seems to be symbolizing the fact that it's something underground. And it was it was a black clip and it was it was like hooked onto the trampoline and it was full of helium. So it just again, I have a yard that's completely surrounded by trees. There's nothing that could just like blow in just Somebody, somebody had to have put it there. That's the, that's the only way I can put it. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. Because as soon as I cut it, it flew off. Yep. <laughs> something. Yeah. Dun dun yeah. dun. Same thing that's making my map locations disappear. I had to start taking pictures of my map because every time I go on there, more locations disappear. Because the more I research, the more I keep marking these, and the more disappear. What a coincidence that happened to me in the wee hours this morning. I don't ever. Uh, look at online maps because, like I said, I don't drive. I don't drive for reasons that are obscure and don't involve any criminal record or anything like that. It involves 
I'm not a mechanical person. Like if this computer got disconnected, I'd have to call my provider and say, okay, send somebody over. I have no idea how to plug this thing back in. So um, I'm trying to build some bookshelves right now. But uh, where was I going with that? Senior moment. Bum, 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 <laughs> your, your maps. Your maps. Okay, I don't ever look at them, but this morning there was a false alarm on the building security system, which is new because they are renovating the building that I live in. So it just uh, make your way to the exit, stay calm. Make your it was a recording, and I thought this has got to be wrong because I don't smell any smoke, and ninety percent of the alarms around here are false alarms. We go out in the hall and there's a group of people trying to decide whether to evacuate the building and it looked like tornado weather and uh, uh, you're from Georgia so you know tornado yes. weather is familiar and this part of northwest Atlanta. One time when I was a kid, I lived about three blocks from here, there was a tornado that tore its way through this neighborhood and tore down a huge house on West Wesley Road and I won't ever forget that. So it looked, the sky looked dark, and I said, Don't go outside, folks. Here, let me look up something for one of the people that was standing there. So I had my phone, and I punch in uh, Google Maps or whatever. And uh, then I, I don't like to give out my exact location but I punched the exact location thing and gave her the information that she needed and then went back to my default screen. At odd moments all during the rest of the night and into this morning my uh, phone would say uh, your GPS is disconnected. <laughs> Your GPS is disconnected. Your GPS is disconnected. Does that sound like a similar thing? I finally found a way to get rid of it. I don't know whether I restarted it or whatever, but it, I think, has stopped doing that. Haven't you found? Yes, I have. <laughs> but your GPS has been disconnected. I don't care. I don't use it. I know where I am. I'm right here. Right? <laughs> so it's it's not an exact, but I would call it a synchronicity there too. So you have stuff to look forward to, my friend. I say I started telling them I feel like I started digging into something really weird. And uh yeah, I guess I'll just see where it takes me and I'll keep you just as updated as I keep them because it seems like uh one one thing that, that I've noticed in the feedback that I've seen uh, on Twitter, which I post on incessantly, uh, is that uh, both the Newkirks and I have received lots and lots of messages that after seeing Hellier, all kinds of weird stuff happens to me. That's mm -hmm. just like, I don't know if it's universal because you only hear from the people that that sort of thing does happen, but it indicates to me that this is a powerful magical ritual. That is mm -hmm. the entire presentation, season one and two, and who knows what the future may bring, is itself a magical ritual about which I know a good deal from that organization that I used to be a part of. And uh, the intention of any kind of initiation is to 
whether it works or not, is to elevate one's uh, abilities and consciousness and so forth. And Hellyer does that, although to their credit, I think, that wasn't the intent. The intent was to document field research. So mm -hmm. people that watch it become co-participants. And uh, I think that's enormously significant. People that watch all of these programs that have appeared on the uh, the Travel Channel, the Discovery Plus Channel, the his Hysterical Channel, <laughs> all of the channels that have run out of uh, you know trips to uh, to uh, the darkest jungles of South America or uh, uh, stock footage of World War II, they suddenly are you know bring in the ghost hunters and the UFO hunters and the hunter hunters and. Uh, uh, you know, and uh, I have never heard any of that sort of thing about. Some people say those programs are very informative. They're not, but I mean, I've been on some, and I've chosen not to do any more because it's acting. You know, mm -hmm. um, and that's that's not my gig. It's my eldest son's gig. It's not my gig. Well, I'm an actor. He's a screenwriter, currently on strike and support SAG-AFTRA and the Writers Guild. Yes. But um, but that that is so very true because I had never seen Hellier. He had seen it. His, his um, paranormal journeys a, a bit longer than mine has been. And he said, watch this. And I'm having to take notes. I'm like, who is injured Cole? <laughs> like, I'm taking notes. And I'm like, what is this? So I can go back and look it up. And I can't tell you what's happened. That was, I guess, a year ago. There's a lot of things have happened in this past year. A lot. So, <laughs> so I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, and it's happened to lots of people. So it's not power of suggestion. You know, there was one time... Uh, Uri Geller is a kind of mixed bag, but, <laughs> mm -hmm. but one time he did his spoon bending thing on TV. I mean, I've seen him do it. Uh, I was going to say as close as I am to you, but clearly, <laughs> as you appear to be on the screen. And in that particular occasion, Uri, do not sue me. I have no money and possess very little. Okay. But he went. And they said, bend the spoon, bend the spoon. Well, I, for having worked five years on the Psychic Friends Network, I discovered something very important. Nobody can do it on cue, you know, no matter what kind of powers you have. So this group of people who are asking for his autograph are, you know, expecting him to do something. So he says, okay, I'll bend the spoon. Look, it's bent. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, I thought, well, I, you know, this doesn't mean that he doesn't know how to actually do this psychically. It does mean that this performing on cue thing needs to uh, needs to be laid to rest because it just yeah. isn't possible, and nobody should be demand that should not be demanded of anyone. Oh, we've just lost our <laughs> Skype content. They've uh, they've come to get him. <laughs> They're here. <laughs> He died as he lived. 
<laughs> Loading away on a happy birthday balloon. As is above, as is below. <laughs> well, he's above now, apparently. <laughs> He'll be back. Don't worry. No, I hear him. We just can't see him. He, he got raptured. <laughs> well, uh, babe, did you have any more questions about your experiences for Mr. Greenfield? I mean, it seems like this might be a good time to ask him if you'd like to. Well, I have a couple of questions I was going to ask you off camera, um, but maybe I'll keep them vague. I can't um, tell her name. I won't <laughs> say her name because she will sue me. I, I almost guarantee. <laughs> no, um, and I think this might, if, if you would grace us with your presence, maybe come back for another episode um, about uh, this other book, Plug. <laughs> Plug <laughs> the grail within. Well, um, you can do that right now. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> you know, you get to be my age, sitting in an apartment in three blocks from where the house I grew up in is, which is now, what is it, evaluated at a million and a half. And my mother sold it for $50,000. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the times change, you know. Well, okay. Blake, okay. if you're there, hello. <laughs> ah, no, there he is. By my powers, I brought him back. I well, can do that for you, but you'll have to buy the book first. <laughs> well, you are a magician, right? I mean, <laughs> so anyway, all be- folks don't go anywhere. We just sit around and spin a yarn and. Uh, and Knit one, curl two. Knit one. No, I'm not. <laughs> but I'll be glad to come back. However, I'm. You know, yeah, I, I'm gonna ask you one. I have question. no pressing appointments tonight. <laughs> I'm gonna ask you one question, and then we'll decide because it's such a hard pivot <laughs> from what we've been talking about. The jewel um, is in the lotus. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Do you think um, sex magic can happen? On accident, <laughs> do you think you can do that on accident? Yes. Okay. Um, there is a complicated answer to that. I'll give the the brief version of it. <sighs> no, there isn't really a real brief version. Okay. Up until relatively recent times, relatively recent being the middle of the previous century, 20th century. Every sex act was a risky business. There were risks of disease because there was no legal uh, protection. Uh, Even uh, prophylactic devices sold for a quarter in men's restrooms only uh, said for use for prevention of disease only because birth control was illegal at that time in most most places certainly here in georgia (laughs) it may be again very yeah no shit (laughs) but um, there were two kinds of risks one was disease and the other was pregnancy because getting pregnant up through the middle of the last century and before that, even higher risk, the mortality rate, not only infant mortality rate, but the mortality rate for women giving birth was exceedingly high. 
Therefore, every act of sex was an act of extreme risk and involved a certain amount of fear. It's why there are so many different bugaboos about sex, I think, in, in part, but it's a residue of the whole history of the human race, which sex and death are historically very close. So that, at the moment, is not true, but the fact is that for people of a certain age and people who have uh, residuals from that era, even if they use birth control and their modern hospitals and modern sanitation methods that render uh, both infant mortality and mortality of uh, mothers to be in our society anyway, quite, quite low. Um, still the, f the, the fear has a way of carrying over. And because of that, I think that any sexual act that one is involved in carries a type of energy which may become focused even if it's not your intent, even if you don't know diddly squat about magic. And in that sense, the answer to your question is yes. However, it is more reliably true if you have learned general uh, magical principles to begin with and have uh, practiced some form of yoga to the point that you know how to focus yourself then the magical effects that can occur. And that is the secret of immortality. And I won't repeat it. <laughs> uh, okay, so I, just in all seriousness, that's uh, actually that is the secret of immortality because we all come from that particular form of uh, activity. It's true. It's true. Even, even I, much as my mother would like to deny it, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that's a good answer. I think that's as far as I, I I would want to talk about that tonight. But if you would maybe come back in the future and be I have a feeling you're about to kick me off. But no, no, I I'll, no, I'll come I, back <laughs> and talk to you explicitly. You won't uh, you won't be able to actually broadcast this because. <laughs> Well, that's no. that, that's kind of my thought. Some places. Concentrate. Concentrate. No, you've read the you've read the the Grail Within, right? Yes. Do I use any profane language in it? No, no. I no. don't even say fuck anywhere in it. <laughs> that's a very powerful word, and if used in the context of doing a sexual magic ritual, like fuck you, baby, that's. That has its own power, including mm -hmm. if it's resented by the recipient of that comment, who will never sleep with you again, I guarantee it, or double your money back. The point being, it's it's a touchy subject, but I didn't know how, I mean, I, I did this program a while back, I shouldn't really be talking out of school, but I won't mention the name of the program, um, that was very new agey and it was this lady that does exercises and stuff and she wanted to know about sexual magic in fact that's all she wanted to know about and i when i heard i was going to do that program i thought uh do i really 
need to watch myself here act the southern gentleman. No, that's kind of my thoughts. I think we should do one, and there should be like a mild disclaimer. <laughs> Get ready or leave because we're going to talk about some stuff. But no, just kind of a, a short little synopsis. Uh, Jenny has experienced some weird things as far as what I would consider kind of shadow people, uh, even incubus type activity. And the more research we've done into things, um, just more synchronicities, we'll say, pop up, just to leave everything kind of vague. During sexual magic or after? Uh, no, no, this is something that we did not even no know existed. until here very recently, but it, it just so happens that uh, the apartment she used to live in, a lot of strange things happened in that apartment, uh, like, I saw a what I would consider a shadow being one time in that apartment, and that's nothing to comment on some of Jenny's experiences. So, so yeah, yeah. I, I hear confessions all the time. <laughs> no, I will. Um, yes, I will. Anything I will, you say here will be totally in confidence. No, I, I will. Um, I will talk to you about it, and we uh, we actually did a podcast on it. So it, here, which I talk about it pretty explicitly. So <laughs> but it, it is a whole thing. So, <laughs> well, one of the one of Alistair Crowley's more lucid uh, moments <laughs> between hits on the crack pipe, or whatever the equivalent <laughs> was in his day was uh, a, an essay called Energized Enthusiasm, and that is the key to sexual magic. Whether you're an active magician or an active sexualist, as most healthy people are, whether they choose to uh, expound that or deny it, as the case may be. So um, if you energize your enthusiasm in one way or another, there are forces that can enter into your relationship. And that can be true of uh, um, solo sexual acts. It can be true of conventional sexual intercourse and other practices. The uh, stronger it is for the individual, the, the, the more energized it is. And if you perchance focus that on something. I mean, the the obvious manifestation is conceiving a child. If that isn't magic, I don't know what is. I mean, it's a single act of intercourse that produces the next generation of human beings. This, you can call that biology, you can call it magic. Depends on just point of view. <laughs> That's true. What do you got? I think I'm. I, I think I. I think I've talked about that about as much as I want to right now. So. <laughs> I understand. And as, as your therapist and priest, I absolve you of anything really weird that you've done. And all I can say is, kink is fine with me. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor Doctor Greenfield. <laughs> we don't kink shame around here. Welcome. You come visit. I'll look. I'll teach you a technique that I only give to my special students. 
<laughs> very good. All right. Very nice. All right. How about no, you two? <laughs> very wicked. <laughs> um, I've read the book. I've read the book. <laughs> then you don't need any advice from me. You just need for your listeners or viewers or listeners and viewers to get that book so that they don't have to come directly to me and find out the real definition of dirty old man. <laughs> but no, I read the book too. And, uh, you know, I thought it was very interesting. Like this is not something I really even knew about until, like I said, uh, just starting to look a little bit into the whole Jack Parsons thing, which I didn't know about till very recently. And, you know, I've, listened to another podcast where they were talking about him and I called Jenny text or whatever, when I was at work, I was like, you've got to listen to this podcast. This guy is crazy. <laughs> so that, oh, well, that was kind of our yeah, gateway. And that into, was like, kind of uh, talk about synchronicities. He starts talking about Jack Parsons and I just happened upon one of your podcasts where you were plugging the book, the girl within, within. <laughs> And I was like, I've got to read this book. And then Parsons and L. Ron Hubbard are mentioned in it. I'm like, we're both studying the same thing parallel. Just from a different angle. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah well, uh, Parsons was an interesting person. I'm not sure that I would have liked him had I met him. Mm -hmm. uh, but... Uh, uh, there's another synchronicity. I just, I mean, he's not my day-to-day -day topic of conversation, but just this morning, the last person that I actually have physical correspondence with, a guy in England that I've known for ages and ages and ages, um, I was talking about Jack Parsons to him. And in the new book, uh, there's quite a bit of discussion. I'm not going to mention the name. You can. I will. Uh, or say it'll be I in believe, the show notes. Well, it'll be there too. But I also believe the title to be determined is "Secrets of the Real Black Lodge Revealed." Revealed. 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 <laughs> hey, do something about the feedback. 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 Here. 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 <laughs> revealed. 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 Okay, now, uh, I think that that particular book should have the caveat, which I don't think I included, that there are other types of magic for those disinclined to make their uh, love life into a magical life, which has its drawbacks. Four marriages. All of them into magic, too, at the time. Um, there are other forms of magic, like Enochian and uh, uh, just any kind of ritual magic that can accomplish the same things. It's just that uh, sexual magic is kind of the uh, easiest form of magic accessible to anybody without a you know, a lifetime of magical ex experience in, in other realms. And like any form of magic, it can go horribly wrong if you don't know what you're doing. So that's that's my caveat emptor. 
Okay. But of course, reading the book is just informative. I mean, <laughs> I'm an informative kind of guy. I'm a happening kind of guy. Hey, you that absolutely is absolutely are. true. <laughs> we could not agree more over here. <laughs> I I sense more people are leaving right now. You know, if I, I on the rare occasion I get invited, it's very rare because conventions are becoming the current thing out there. I rarely get invited to these things, but if I do. If half of my audience doesn't leave in anger, I feel like I'm not doing my job. Well, I don't think anyone's going to be mad at this one. This is this has been just this is great. Oh, yeah, we've been a little bit everywhere and touched a little bit of everything. We, uh, hey, oh, we hey, that's what she said. That's, that's what, what she, she said. said. <laughs> I caught you with the button. <laughs> How come when somebody says something nice, that's when I go out of focus? <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> There's symbolism behind it. Oh, it's magic. Yeah, it probably is. <laughs> no, it's just that people say I wander. No, I have a lot to say, a lot of subjects, and I they're all part of my universe, but they're not part of everybody's universe. And speaking of universes, did you know that there are other universes <laughs> parallel to our own? See that the it's lateral thinking, which is something that is a, call it a magician's burden or <laughs> disease or gift, depending. And well, also, kind of something. I tend to, to end it, interject humor, which is like humor only in England. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's kind of something we talk about on the show a lot is you don't have to dig too far below the surface to kind of see how all these different subjects are connected mm -hmm. somehow. And, you know, obviously you are far more of an expert than any of the three of us, but we might not be able to see the connections or know how all these things are connected as far as cryptids and the paranormal and the occult or whatnot, but there, there's something there. And I think as most as we could ever hope to find quote unquote answers to things, I think it might be in those connections between these different categories. So, you know, like you're saying, I think being all over the place and talking about all this different stuff, I think that's very beneficial because people get too caught up in, well, this is aliens, this is cryptids, this is the paranormal, when they're all connected at the end of the day, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, and that's one of your favorite things, isn't it, about <laughs> the, 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 I think you called it turf wars between, like, the the... Uh, UFO community and the cryptid community and just the different communities. Yeah, well, the, this is less true now than it was when oh, I absolutely. was this. Mm -hmm. But it's still the vast majority are waiting for the government to give you <laughs> answers about flying saucers that they've got, you know, hidden away at Area 51 or, you know, whatever variant of that. And anybody who's been involved in this stuff for any considerable length of time and has a good memory knows that this is something that has just gone around and around and the government doesn't know jack shit about mm -hmm. any of this. And that's, that's just the plain truth about it. What the government is trying to protect is something that I am in favor of them protecting, which is the development of surprising new weapon systems. That's what's done at Area 51, and that's what's that's what the uh, holding it close to the vest has been a part of, where government uh, interest in 
UFOs, flying saucers, UAPs, the current <laughs> trendy UAP. 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 <laughs> I hate it. I truly mm-hmm. hate it. I was going to say, I know that's your favorite. It's just your absolute favorite. <laughs> it is my favorite. And I, I even think that whoever designed that probably meant it to be pronounced UAP because that sounds really ridiculous. It's like, why are these creatures, these cryptids called Bigfoot? Well, immediately, if you're not inside the cryptozoological universe, just the term Bigfoot sounds sufficiently ludicrous that you're probably going to go, whatever, man, I've got other things to do. You know, It's all in the Ukraine. I mean, which has, I mean, terms like Sasquatch and Yeti, they don't have that connotation. But Mm -hmm. Bigfoot is a term that I use it, and I'll occasionally use UAP, although I put it in quotes just to get (laughs) my licks in, you know. (laughs) But the reality is that that's a, a, a term of art. And if you've studied this at all, the only conspiracy the government is involved in where this stuff is concerned has to do with weapon development. And I think people should get the hell out of that and leave it alone because we live in very dangerous times. So I don't object to the government developing uh, new weapon systems in secret because they may be needed. And if that sounds patriotic, it's just paranoia. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fine line sometimes, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I don't really know where to go with that. With <laughs> really political, and I don't want to do that on your No, show. we try not to get w- too political on the show. So, uh, But no, I, I think what you just said is absolutely correct. And, you know, I think a lot of these... UAPs, quote unquote, uh, you know, UFOs, UAPs. Uh, I think a lot of what people are seeing, it probably is some sort of experimental government technology. And the best way to keep that hidden is to perpetuate this extraterrestrial idea. And, you know, I think the whole disclosure thing probably has a lot to do with that personally. Yeah, well, I think that as well. And I get a lot of flack from the disclosure people. But excuse me, I was around when Project Blue Book <laughs> closed and they farmed it out to the University of Colorado and Dr. Edward U. Condon, a somewhat skatey fellow. And uh, he privately said from the very beginning, and this later became public, by the way, that uh, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he said the trick would be to seem to be objective while reluctantly proving that there's nothing to it. And the same thing is going on right now with the disclosure thing. In fact, there was one supposedly private UFO body, of which I was a member at one time, that I have very strong reason to believe was a front for the CIA after the 1953 CIA panel concluded that you have to have to get into 1950s thing, but the the communists were going to infiltrate private UFO groups and create a false wave of UFO cases so the Russian bombers could come in and bomb us out of existence, which 
does not compute. Mm. My AI brain says, <laughs> it ain't so. <laughs> but they probably thought that it was, given the mood of that time. And thereafter, you have a lot of efforts to uh, dismiss the whole flying saucer phenomenon. The thing that strikes me, and I started to go into this earlier, was that in 1947, when the classic beginning, there is no beginning, this goes back to antiquity, of the modern post-World War II flying saucer era, and the term flying saucer was coined, um, immediately there were two schools of thought, only two. What, what is called in uh, logic a false dichotomy. Either these things are spaceships from another planet or they're misidentified natural phenomena or hoaxes. Why visitors from another planet? They've never been seen on another planet. They've never been seen coming from another planet up until Oumuamua we never even saw anything that we were aware of that came from outside of our solar system. UFOs are seen either near the Earth, the lights in the sky type things, or on the Earth, the landing cases, the close encounter cases, and so forth. So why the immediate jump to, oh, they must be extraterrestrial? Along comes <clears throat> my knowledge of uh, quantum theory and the notion related to that of the many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics, which may or may not turn out to be true, but implies that we have other membranes, other brains, B-R-A-N-E-S, that are right here with me and right there with you, but that we don't ordinarily have access to them. Now, the current position in orthodox science is that may be true, but you can't interpenetrate it. Well, we can't, but if there are an infinite number of other realities, infinite means infinite, which means some of them have inhabitants, some of those inhabitants have been around since before the Big Bang, and perhaps some of them have learned to interpenetrate voluntarily or involuntarily. The proof of that, if you want proof, is going to be found in the next generation of physics. But as a, as a ceremonial magician, aside from sexual magic, um, Enochian magic routinely opens up portals to uh, other Enochian heirs or ethers. And if you participate in one that is done by a competent magician and who knows how to close it out after they're through, unlike Jack Parsons. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. I mean, he doesn't mention closing it. He just mentions, oh, we're done. Let's go. <laughs> the girl is going to show up today. Okay, <laughs> says Hubbard. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll just give me your money and your girl and I'll be on my way. Be buying some yachts. I'll be out of your, out of your head. Yachts and good times. And, you know. and Hubbard found his garage and explosives and the rest is an explosive story. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to take that bang. one. 
take my opportunity too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. So I always thought that the extraterrestrial idea was based on absolutely nothing. And the fact that it is often referred to as a belief. Well, the, the word belief and the word faith are usually associated with religion in modern times and mean something quite different than they meant even a few hundred years ago. Uh, like faith is derived from uh, the, the Latin term uh, fidus, I think that's the way to pronounce it, um, which means loyalty. And Roman Catholics will understand that because it isn't a matter of taking something to be, in the modern sense, a belief, but being loyal to one's uh, principles. And we just don't use it in that way anymore, but people always refer to, I believe in flying saucers, I believe in Bigfoot. Well, good grief. It ain't Jesus, you know. I mean, <laughs> and if it were, that doesn't necessarily mean you believe it. And the, uh, it depends on where you're coming from. And of course, these sightings take place all over the world. And the close encounter cases are everywhere. And they're ongoing, and if you had the several news feeds that I use, you could aware that they are daily, daily phenomenon. So, if this is something from elsewhere, it must be somewhere very, very close. And that brings us back to the notion that there are interpenetrating brains, just as we find in the Enochian ethers or airs when you open them you go somewhere else and if you're careful about it you don't wind up staying there because it might be an unpleasant place and <laughs> as as happened with the classical case of uh, uh, John D uh, in Elizabethan times uh, that ended rather badly but people persist in doing it just that way even though apparently he and his uh, assistant Kelly, a somewhat nefarious person apparently uh, got themselves in a whole heap of trouble Yes, sir. <laughs> and uh, I, I've used that technique very successfully with a room full of witnesses <laughs> but still before I ever did it, I had to learn the techniques of invoking and banishing and how to get rid of something that you might have uh, accidentally happened upon that <laughs> might blow up your garage. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Greenfield, kind of wrapping up, uh, you know, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I cannot thank you enough for giving us some of your time. We are truly honored that you saw fit to come and uh, share your time with us three dumbasses. Um, <laughs> no, you're we not. Cannot... Actually, you ask really appropriate questions. I mean, I meander, but I do notice, you know, there are times when I do, because I don't ever refuse, you know, somebody who generously offers me time on their uh, on their time 
but some of the questions I get, particularly from the not podcasters, are pretty literate about these things, but radio and TV are less so. They'll say, <laughs> "Okay, Alan, what is the meaning of life?" And I'll say, "Well, and now a word from our sponsor." <laughs> Twenty. 20 successive commercials from QAnon type organizations. <laughs> and then they come back and they say, okay, what's your answer to what? <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> yeah, what was the question? Well, not to speak for Shane, but I know that means a lot to us. We were kind of nervous to have you on because, you know, we feel like we're in the presence of Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> we're in the presence of uh, someone who's truly an expert about a lot of the stuff we're interested in. And it, it just means a lot. It that does. You've come I'm on such here. a fan. And I, when I made that post, <laughs> Come on my podcast. You said, okay. I was like, oh my God, y'all. Somebody <laughs> actually co commented on your comment. I said, he's easy. And I thought, wait a minute. Is that a compliment or is I take it as a compliment. <laughs> she, she's read your book. She's read your book. Well, when you saying it, I mean, you said you were glad to have me. So, and, uh, well, he's, he's an easy hit. He'll come on anything. <laughs> No, I did see it, but thank you. I'm I'm fangirling a little bit. This this is just great, just great. Well, I'll well, autograph whatever. Okay, perfect. if I had the power to send you a free copy, I would, but I don't. We will we gladly you. gladly buy multiples. But and kind of on that note, uh, Mr. Greenfield, if you don't mind telling our listeners where they can find your books again and uh, anything else you want to plug or how people can get up with you if you're interested in that. Well, the, the books are the only income I have other than my social security <laughs> dates me. So please buy the books because everything else I do is free. And if you want to get in touch with me, I'm accessible. Your host tells it. <laughs> so I'm on Twitter every day, and that's a good place to reach me. And I'm under my own name, which is more than hardly anybody on Twitter <laughs> these days, especially, will say. And I have no special axe to grind. I am as I have been for the last however long we've been on. Seven hours? Eight? <laughs> <laughs> and I, di I didn't need to excuse myself even once. I'm so proud of my bladder. <laughs> you did it. Your bladder did better than mine did. So. <laughs> but no, Mr. Greenfield, again, thank you so much. We cannot thank you enough. And if you would be willing to grace us with your presence again at some point, I'm sure we could have a whole nother seven or eight hour conversation. Uh, we'll have a, a, a true Bizarre Encounters After Dark episode. A true oh, yeah. One. So, about the Grail Within available on Amazon. <laughs> And Barnes and Noble, and an and Barnes and, and Noble, <laughs> and brick and mortar stores, some of them. And if you if you have if you have uh, listeners in the UK, Amazon UK always carries my books. I don't know how they get them, but you know they're maybe they ship them from here. But whatever. Anyway, the best way to get in touch with me is I'm not going to give my email address here, but I give it out fairly frequently on. Uh, on Twitter. So, you know, tune into my Twitter feed 
because what I do for the most part there is I have three or four news feeds and anything that seems to be of interest in any of the areas that uh, might be of interest to people that, you know, that would bother to read what I have to say, I, I give a link to that. And that's like 90% of what I do. But if somebody asks me, you know, how do I get in touch with you or whatever, I give them my email address and they can, well, I saw Hillier and then I was transposed to the planet Garumba. How do you spell that? G-A-R-M-U. Or if you're totally lost or hate Twitter or hate Musk, which I do, but that's not important right now. Um, you can always just, I'll spell my name because my parents gave me the minority spelling of Allen. It's not A-L-A-N. It's A-L-L-E-N. Greenfield. G-R-E-E-N-F-I-E-L-D. And if you Google that, I've been on the internet since it was the ARPANET. So there are many, many entries, some of which are true. <laughs> many, many of which like don't look at the wikipedia article on me because okay? <laughs> i don't know who wrote that but i suspect uh former uh, associates in that former group that i don't mention and or the kind of thing that, that wikipedia likes to do to people that have alternative views of things so but everything else is just fine there's even a book out there that I didn't write, but it's under my name. The book on Wicca. That's not a, it's a, it's a bootleg, but uh, my publisher generously, since it wasn't copyrighted, it wasn't nailed down, is put it out as a book. So I haven't seen it, of course, so I don't know <laughs> what it says, but I think it's based on my actual experiences there. I don't know the name of it. But I, don't, I really don't care if you buy that one or not. But. Buy the other ones. Buy the other ones. All of buy them. Buy the other ones. They're all in print because my publisher thinks I'm the cat's meow. And we all here at Bizarre Encounters would agree with him. Yes, yes sir. Has this been a Bizarre Encounter? Have I looked at <laughs> Oh, oh absolutely. So. Superseded. 100%. But in the most positive way. Yes. Absolutely. So. If you guys enjoyed the show, and come on, you guys know you did, because this was a great guest today, don't forget to leave a rating for the show on Spotify, or if you have iTunes, don't forget to leave a review for the show. And of course, we'll read that on the show, give you guys a shout out, always give appreciation where appreciations do. And uh, if you have any friends that you think might enjoy the show, don't forget to share it through word of mouth. That is a great way to help the show grow. And uh, whether it's just one specific episode or you guys think that somebody else might be interested in the entire show as a whole, send them whatever you might think. Maybe if you pass it along at your office, wherever you happen to work, maybe you'll get to a point where all you guys can talk about weird phenomenon and podcasts. And the only way it's ever going to happen is if you guys are start sharing, your, sharing the show with a friend and you're going to help us grow. You're going to have more people to talk to about weird stuff. So beneficial in all aspects. And as always, you guys do the internet things. Reach out to us on social media, most active on Instagram. Reach out to us through email, bizarreencounters at outlook.com with any suggestions for the show, guests, topics, anything like that, or your own bizarre encounters that Shane can add to his illustrious book he's working on. And just to throw and in another quick one real quick, we haven't done a local lore in a while, so if anybody wants to throw us some local lore stories, all you have to do is throw the name of a lo local legend, we will research it, and we would love to get another one of those going pretty soon here. And check out that link tree. 
because it's got all this pertinent shit in it. So with that. I've been Shane. I've been Orm. And I've been Bizarre Jenny. There you go. And uh, guys, don't forget to always, always stay bizarre. 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 Bizarre.